Hey, Benedict. Hey, Daniel. We were about to start recording. You said you had a tweet that you needed to post. And yeah. you started posting it right away. It's a pretty good one. Thanks. It's been uh, on my mind the last couple of days, you know. Yeah, a pretty important topic. You can tell people. No. Snow really makes you realize what percent of the earth is dog pee. Yeah, man. It's important stuff. <laughs> a lot of brain cycles. For <laughs> well, you. I see all these dogs walk by all day and I'm like dang and then like you're walking just down the street and it's like oh my god there's so much yellow snow like and like you think about how it's like that all the time you just don't see it because there's no snow on the ground it's just soaking into the earth but now you see it and everything is yellow so think about that cool what are we going to talk about today well this is the first episode coming live from your apartment i'm in my apartment i have my new desk no couch yet but yeah I also got my new, on my desk is my new book suggested by our friend. You wrote a book? No, the book that arrived today. Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits. Wow. Accounting book. So, well, I'll wait till we have more revenue to actually read it, but. I've been doing some taxes in the last week. No, it's good. Yeah. So let's get into it. I still am working on the website, but it's pretty, I'm going to nail the homepage, get that done. It's the structures there. I just need to go put it into HTML which should be pretty quick with Tailwind UI. And then... Will next week be the week? Next week will definitely be the week, I promise. <laughs> uh, we're going to... We need to have it done so that way we can just move on and launch it. It's taken way too much time and it's not going to be an important enough launch for that to be... It'd be one thing if I was like tweaking it and playing with it, but it just feels like a, a long thing. But that'll be... Yeah, I was already worried that this is the last week in January or like I'm already like... Yeah, I know. But and that's just mostly about time passing and the pressure that comes with that, not necessarily the website in and of itself. No, I mean, that's I spent a lot of the weekend thinking about that. Like, great, we have all these goals and things we want to have happen for Arrows this year. And one-twelfth of the it's year like is one done. One month, right. One-twelfth is gone. <laughs> yeah. One-third of Q1, as I like to say. Yeah, that's how you... That's how I think about months. So speaking of big things we want to do this year, you showed me what you'd like to do with the API. Based on what we talked about last week, there were two different routes that we could take it. Yeah, so last week we talked a bunch about the API and it felt like there were two paths. One was the plain REST API where people can do whatever they want. And then one was the more deep Salesforce API or integration. And now I think that there's something... Looking into it more deeply, I think there's a middle ground, which is really leaning into Zapier and really using that as the tool to enable people to do whatever they want with Arrows and with Arrows data. And so this week, I, if you recall, I had a call with a customer where they walked us through their Salesforce setup and how they had their objects set up and all of that. And so I recreated their basic data setup in a developer Salesforce account and then went through the process of figuring out how could I modify that record in the same way that this customer is doing with Zapier. And I got that working, which was pretty exciting. I was pretty stoked. When you refresh the page and it actually changes the value in Salesforce, it's like, let's go, baby. You have to refresh the page for the data to change? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's Salesforce. I don't know. I'm kidding. (laughs) Wait, so to do Um, Zapier, though, I mean, to be clear... mm We you have to build out the API endpoints, and then right. Zapier is a layer on top of those, like interacts with them. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why it feels kind of a little bit like the middle path, because in building out 
the Zapier piece, we get all of the Salesforce stuff, and that was kind of one of the big uncertainties was can we actually reach into Salesforce in the with the level of fidelity and complexity that we need for customers who have somewhat custom setups like our one customer does? And the answer is yes. And so it feels like we can get that. And then like you said, Zapier itself is built on top of REST APIs essentially. And so Zapier's one way that you can set up a Zapier just pulling a REST endpoint and then firing off triggers and events based on changes in that endpoint. So we don't have to go build out our whole event system yet that we've talked about. We can kind of nudge that down the way a bit further, or at least a, a webhook driven events, like an outbound push driven event system. Right. And I think that is still, I think there's a chance that we do that and we don't do polling because maybe in, you know, maybe that investment's worth it. And I think that's something that I want to figure out a little bit more, but yeah, I think in general, I'm leaning towards Zapier because the other thing is seeing how complex it actually is to modify the Salesforce data in the object setup that our customer has. I don't think it's going to get any easier than the way that Zapier has it set up essentially. And it's pretty complicated. And we talked about this earlier and I think a big piece of it is we don't know enough about how the majority of our customers will use a Salesforce integration or an Arrows API to really have it be worth mm-hmm. making kind of a specific implementation where things get boiled down and a bit smoother. So I think for now, Zapier also gives us this sort of course approach where we can, you know, kind of roughly put something in and then see what people do and find the people who are hungry enough to do enough automation and customization that they will do it with Zapier. And then we can see what really resonates with people. Yeah. I mean, I think the the cool thing though, on top of the, what do they actually do with it is we get to, you know, go do, as we're talking about the marketing site and help docs and everything, go talk about and show off all the things you can do with arrows. Then you can have it actually be an, an onboarding UI that replicates that data in your Salesforce record and all this stuff. Like it, it can, it becomes pretty interesting the things you can do with it if you put the work in, but at least we yep. are able to market and sell that a bit more, which will be cool. Right. It becomes more of a tool where people can do whatever they want and hopefully things that we can't even imagine. Like one use case that I was thinking of that's cool is we've talked to people where one thing that people want is, oh, can you automatically send an email when this thing is complete, like when a phase or a task is complete. Yeah. And it's like, boy, I don't know when we're going to do that. But with Zapier, you know, we could just have people can set that up for themselves. They Mm -hmm. can hook into whatever email system that they want. If they use MailChimp, if they use, you know, whatever, whatever, I don't know. They could have it be Um, their own Gmail if they can hook it up in Zapier. Yeah. And we can give them the the recipe pre-built in Zapier in our dashboard somewhere that says, go click this and it's mostly built. Right. And then... Exactly. You can do whatever you want and make it as custom as you want and automate as much as you want. And yeah, similar to how I walked away from learning more about Salesforce being very impressed. I'm now very impressed with Zapier and kind of how just powerful it is to have a middleman that lets you connect with pretty much every app that exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. So uh, that's exciting. I'm really excited to have all that done. The other, the only other main thing was that those hotwire kind of code changes, the faster load times, all of that is now live in production. We talked last week about how we set up a staging environment, and so we successfully, we successfully went to production now, and haven't 
had any real issues. We had one issue where one of our Heroku plugins caused a hard crash, but luckily there had been a patch submitted for that gem two hours earlier after that happened. So we just rolled back, fixed that, and then, yeah, I haven't had any issues since and haven't had any timeouts. And in general, I think hopefully it's, uh, yeah, I think a it's lot a faster massive, and smoother for people. Massive upgrade. And the fact that all that stuff is in there in the code means we can implement new pages or existing pages much more quickly to be speedy and, and reactive in a way that they weren't before. So that's pretty exciting as, as we yeah. get back into that stuff. Totally. So I had some things I wanted to mention. I mean, I think what's been on our mind a lot lately, the last few months, and we've talked about it, I think just once on the podcast is how do we, how do we get to the end of this year? Like both like pretty much financially being the, the primary thing, like how do we survive this year at a baseline level? whether that's client work or taking money or whatever. And then the extension of that is, well, if we did have some investor money, we would, what would we do with it? Like, what would be the goal of having it beyond just paying ourselves a little bit of a salary just to make sure we didn't have to take client work and get burnt out. And one thing we did last week, we decided, so today's Monday, yesterday was the deadline to apply to tiny seed. We talked to tiny seed a few weeks ago and we really liked them and we go to MicroConf, which is a conference that they run for generally bootstrapped entrepreneurs like us. And we really like that group of people. And But we ultimately decided not to apply to Tiny Seed. We just didn't think it was right for us right now. And, you know, I think as we've been considering all this, I've also been having conversations with other entrepreneurs that are further along, you know, people we look up to and we admire their businesses. And I, I still have to distill some of the specifics to you. But we've been just kind of gathering information, I think, about like, what are our options here? And if we did raise money, how would we do that, both like from a specific mechanism and how much and what would be the outcomes that would happen because of that? And then there's really just another question that I think we have to like dive into is like, what is the goal that we're looking for from Arrows? What do we want from this? And that's partially in a short term, surviving this year, partially a medium term. Are we growing at a rate? that we enjoy working on it and is the product, you know, are we going to have competition? Like there's other products that are well-funded. And then in a long-term, like 10, 15, 20 year timeline, we haven't really said it on here, but I think that's our goal is to still be working on this or at least be owners in something like this for a really long time. And yeah, so all these things have been like kind of swirling around and making, making this topic a particularly challenging one to find the right answer. And the Hubsars is probably not a right answer. So it has to be one that we like choose to live with for a while is really the thing. I think for me, the big thing is we, uh, a big piece of our, or at least my thinking has been that we need more information still. And I think that is kind of where I'm at. And I think that I personally haven't been thinking about it that much, mostly because I'm trying to make sure that we get that information as quickly as possible, I guess, or yeah, I haven't thought about it that much, to be honest. No, I figured, I figured you hadn't been, I think part of the reason I have been is just because I've been having these other conversations with people. I wouldn't really be otherwise like the other entrepreneurs. The thing that I keep coming back to is less like, do we need more information? Cause I think if we choose to raise money, yeah, we probably want some more information, but not too much more. Like, I think we don't want to wait months down the road. It really just comes down to like, what are we trying to do? I think, will we be happy going down the route of being fully self-funded owners 
10, 15 years from now, can we end up in a point that we were still happy with? Or is there some opportunity that where there's happening right now that that allows us to, in like the fundraising general market, that we should actually be going after not raising like multiple millions of dollars and trying to become a big VC funded thing, but like we look at other competitors sometimes and this sort of API stuff that you're dealing with and and all the features that we have in mind of things that we want to build and people are asking from us. We're really constrained by what you and I can do alone. And so I think you and I both look at like, well, slow and steady is fine and we can actually make a lot happen if we stay at a good pace. For a number of years, like we can actually do pretty well. But does it feel like we, will it feel like we missed out on something? I don't actually know. I think that like I'm still in the boat of waiting is probably good, but there's some point where like waiting and still having like the option in the back of our mind, I think continues to be a distraction. What I'm going to do is I've, I've had a number of these conversations with other entrepreneurs and I'm going to, like we've talked about putting these things in writing instead of having a, you know, the kind of free form discussion like this will be helpful. You know, so there's talked to a few different folks, like what are the short term mechanisms for if we raise money, how I think we would possibly do that, given that we would like to be owners in this for a really long time. Like, how do we make sure we have investors that are bought in on that or that we can easily make work within that structure? And then if we did raise money, what we would maybe do with that and what the purpose would be. And then also in a, another argument for maybe why we shouldn't and we should still stay self-funding and, and hold on to that for a really long time and just find a way to make it work this year until we get to break even at some point later this year, hopefully, and why that would still be okay given our ambitions and goals, given that we are trying to do this for a long time. And so there's just a discussion and a th I think thought to be had around do we want to try to make a best-in-class sort of product and does money actually make that easier to get there or more likely that we will get there? And is self-funding actually make that challenging given that we are going up against a big opportunity? Or is it something where actually slow and steady and doing this for a really long time means that we still end up in a pretty great spot and we'd love that no matter what. So I think it's just, I've been doing a lot of this thinking in, internally. So I've been trying to turn those into options that I think make things a make a little bit more sense. Like we've had too many options lately. And the last part of that just comes down to, yeah, launching and, and making sure we see w what it looks like if we continue on our path as is. Yep. That's what I'm yeah focused on. Yeah, definitely. All right. Cool. More next week. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye.